Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere, and even earn money, all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer, so no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify, and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since we discovered Spotify for Podcasters, we have added question box to hear our community's thoughts on our episodes, polls to ask questions on what they think, and so much more. We highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Estás escuchando a So Violento, So Macabro Podcast. Yo soy Ali. Y yo soy Di. Y hoy los llevaremos al norte de Argentina. Are you ready, Di? I'm ready. Let's begin. Identificamos a los monstruos como un ser imaginario en historias de folclore, libros y películas de terror. Tendemos a separar nuestras realidades y esas historias de ficción. Tampoco esperamos que estos monstruos pudieran existir en nuestro mundo. Sin embargo, al principio de la década de los 50s, en un pequeño pueblo en Argentina, la idea de un vampiro empezó a aterrorizar la vida de sus habitantes. Esta es la historia del vampiro de la ventana, también conocido como el Drácula de Tucumano. Advertencia. La información de este caso puede ser desencadenante para algunos. Tengan en cuenta que algunos de estos casos pueden involucrar menores de edad, abuso, violación o violencia. Escuchen con precaución. Warning. The information on this case can be triggering to some. Please be advised that some of these cases may involve children, abuse, rape, and violence. Listen with caution. Florencio Roquet Fernández nació en el 1935 en Monterros, Tucumano al norte de Argentina. Desde chico tenía un comportamiento extraño. A su pequeña edad, Florencio tenía algunas características que mostraba que tenía problemas mentales que nunca fueron tratadas y luego se transformaron en uh, schizophrenia. La leyenda del pueblo comenta que los padres de Florencio eran alcohólicos y no podían uh, con su propia um, adicción 
y aparte de cuidar a sus hijos y a un hijo que tenía problemas mentales. La gente del barrio di, uh, diría que sus hermanos y él eran ladrones, porque si sí eran, no tenían un lugar estable, estable de donde vivir, entonces ellos robaban de la gente o comían del, del basurero o comida que dejaban en la calle. Entonces, en verdad, no tenían un hogar. Entonces, ellos eran pobres y vivían en, en la calle. O aquí se dicen homeless. Tenían que buscarle. Y tenían que buscar manera de sobrevivir. Debido a su enfermedad mental, la gente del barrio consideraba, lo consideraba uh, inofenso, inofenso. Like, in, um, even, in, like he, they, they, they didn't find a problem with him. They would just mm -hmm. see him and be like, There's, he's the, just weird. He's just weird, but he's not. He can't do any harm. That's mostly mm. what they were dealing with. Like they were like, oh, he's fine. Pero también le decían que era el loco del pueblo, which you know, kind of sad. Uh, I mean, especially you're talking about the 1930s, 1950s, 1950s, 1950s. Yeah. It's, well, uh, during yeah. this time, he was born. Yeah, it was 1930s, but 1930s, like, around okay. the 1950s. I mean, especially with mental health, it hasn't been that ex like acceptable. Yeah. Until like. Recently, recently like within the last like was back in the 30s yeah i mean we could we could talk about that like for instance like britney spears for instance like she was still stigmatized like in the 2007 yeah so and that's not so long ago no and not until like maybe the late 2010s early 2020s which is now that we really start to open up you know the doors to uh, mental health so, so normalizing it yeah definitely back then it was seen as you're just crazy yeah well, you know which is sad it is and you know a lot of uh latin american um hispanic family and like culture refers to you know mental health as being crazy which is you know which is crazy up. they still some people still see it that way yeah and it's you know basically our responsibility to like change that oh yeah um, for the future but um mm -hmm. anyways en el año 1952, después de rogar y robar unas monedas de los habitantes del pueblo, Florencio, a los 15 años de edad, fue al cine y vio una película que le cambió la vida para siempre. Varios artículos explican que Florencio era amante del cine, que a veces se metía a, al cine a ver películas. So, even when he didn't have money, se colaba de quien fuera dentro del cine y, se, y vería películas. It was like his only way of like... His escape? Uh, yeah, like his only escape. Y esa tarde no fue la excepción. Fue a ver la película de Drácula con el actor Bela Lugosi. I don't know if you know that film. It's from the 1930s. Mm -hmm. um, it's one of the most iconic cinematography films in history. And as a horror fan... Especially within the last, I think, year, year and a half, I've been in love with vampires. So to me, finding this specific case really was like, oh my God, it's about vampires. I need to do it. So, um, después de ver esta película, comenzó a sufrir alucinaciones, donde incluso llegaba a creer que era un vampiro, él mismo. Él pensaba que he had the seduction he would walk around acting like a vampire interesting how old was he again at this age he was 15. 15 so he was going through you know hormonal changes yeah he was at that age and he was having these mental 
um, illness that wasn't being treated. Didn't even know what it was. No, it means yeah. the nineteen, uh, the 1950s. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So during this time, you know, they didn't really know much about that. Florencio tragicamente era un analfabeta, which means he didn't know how to read, which basically also means he didn't know how to write. Um, which also brings out the idea that he had never read um, Bram Sotker's um, book uh, named after Dracula. So which means that everything he saw in the film, he portrayed it to the T. Um, and in his um, hallucinations, he believed he was a vampire based on the actions and his um, uh, his actions and um mannerism that uh bella would do in the film so he basically created this whole world of his own um but also portrayed it in real life because we know that schizophrenia they don't they don't captive they they don't know what's real and what's you know part of their hallucination you don't know so, what reality is you yeah can't so differentiate yeah so when he watched that film and mixed in with reality it's almost like he meshed both worlds together and he himself thought he was a vampire because he saw it as a film so he did that connection if that makes sense yeah i think especially because of the type of life he had yes um maybe i don't know maybe in his mind what he was watching was better yeah than his 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 current his situation real life. it's like it's, it was an escape for him yeah yeah in January 1953, at the age of 17 years old, Florencio committed his first crime. As a reminder, during the time of year in Argentina in January, since we're passing the equator, it, it our winter is their summer. Okay. So, yeah. Painting that picture in. Um, it's during this time is one of Argentina's hottest weather. Um, so during this time, there's no ACs. There's no ventilation. The only thing you can do is open windows, open doors. And in Argentina, during this time, um, the villagers would take their beds and put it next, like put it in the, um, it's almost like an indoor patio where there was no windows, there were just curtains, and which put breeze within. Yeah. Well, you know, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah. But, um... It was kind of to keep themselves cool during the summer. That's crazy. I say, someone whose mind is not right and not in the right place, yeah. that's like easy access for yeah. them. Yeah, completely agree. Um, the residents of this small town would leave their windows open and let you know cool air through blow through the night. Um, and one of the hottest nights in the year, it is said that Florencio stalked his first victim followed her home and stayed you know in the darkness just observing her through the night one of these nights that he stalked her he decides to go into action he jumps through the window because again it's one of the hottest times of the year goes inside they say either he grabbed a stick or grabbed a hammer and struck her behind the head so she was completely motionless. During this time, 
he ends up biting her neck, just like a vampire, breaking through the skin and biting through her trachea, which is her windpipe where you know, she breathes. Yes, because, you know, he thinks he's a vampire and he has to do the puncture wound. So he did that exact move, which led her to bleed to death, taken technically. A month later, the same act happens again and again for the next seven years. During these seven years, he accumulated seven victims. To give you an estimate, is from 1953 to 1960. It is said that he would stalk his victims, follow them home at night, and watch them through the night, just through their window. Once he knew they were alone, that is when he would jump through the window and attack them. It also said that Florencio gained sexual satisfaction when he drank the blood of his victims. He explained that he would achieve climax when he would taste their blood. Not even drink all of their blood, just taste it. Unlike many serial killers, he never raped his victims before or after they were murdered. Also, as word spread through around the town, people began to ask priests to bless their homes with holy water. Um, they would close their windows and their doors and hang garlic wreaths on their on their front door to stop the vampire from entering their homes. They also would use um, religious crosses and put them in the bedrooms or in their beds or near their windows. Um, they would also um, sleep with a wooden stake, you know, those wooden sticks with yeah. like the pointiness to attack the vampire at night. So they actually believed yes Se creían que era un vampiro. yes because they automatically thought this is a vampire we have to follow what the movies say and what books say and what folklore like folklore yeah. have said and do the things to avoid that we're supposed the vampire. to do yeah like what the movies are teaching us we're supposed to do this yes so aunque la policía estaba haciendo todo posible para capturar Uh, al vampiro decidieron um, pasar el caso a la policía federal also as a reminder la policía pensaba y decía que el principal sospechoso que pensaban ellos que era, era el vampiro era un hombre de una alta sociedad con mucho dinero y que le gustaba Like, he liked to brag at the fact that he was a vampire. So that's was, that was their kind of their sketch. Interesting. And keep that in mind. Okay. <laughs> um, la Policía Federal uh, comenzó a analizar uh, los casos que habían pasado en, en este lugar. So they mapped out, you know, the whole place and started pointing out where each crime was committed. And eventually landed to this small cave in the middle of the whole um, spectrum where each of the murders were happening. And they finally realized that that was their common connection. Hmm. This small little cave in the mountains surround right, where the circumference of the crimes were happening. Es allí cuando encontraron a Florencio en un lugar 
en su lugar de donde vivía. Cuando quisieron sacar a Florencio de su vivienda, se entregó completamente y es cuando la policía descubrió que tenía fotofobia. Esto se define como tenerle miedo a la luz, al sol, que no le gustaba estar en luces, le dolía estar enfrente de las luces del sol. Just like Dracula. Just like Dracula. But the funny thing is that he felt that before watching the film. Does that make sense? Yeah. Huh. So that's why he identified with Dracula and um, thought he was a vampire because... No yeah. fue por la película, sino que esto ya lo sentía antes. Yes. So he was like, oh, I have this um, phobia. That means I am a I'm vampire. A vampire. Yeah. Fue detenido el 14 de febrero del 1960. No se resistió, más bien se había relajado que lo capturaron. Cuando los oficiales en, entraron a la cueva, vieron que estaba en un estado salvaje. Donde comía, hacía del baño. Donde dormía, había comida que estaba echada a perder. So he basically was living in his own filth. Los, las autoridades hicieron estudios físicos y mentales, pero la comunidad estaba exigiendo que también se le hiciera un exorcismo porque en verdad pensaban que era un vampiro. So they acquired, you know, the churches and the community Everyone and like to get involved. demanded them to get him exercised. During their studies, the authorities determined that he was suffering from schizophrenia and the malnourish that he had in his life was a big impact on his mental health as well and, you know, his physical health. A judge ended up determining that he was incapable of standing trial and they admitted him to a psychiatric hospital in San Miguel de Tucumán, where he passed away in 1968 at the age of 33 years old. He was young. He was really young. Apparently, he passed away through natural causes. However, there are no records of his death within the city, which is, you know, strange. Yeah. Although his hallucinations were probably like induced by Bella Lugosi's Dracula interpretation, it definitely left an imprint on Fernandez's psyche which led him to commit such horrendous murders, becoming one of Argentina's most legendary serial killers. And that's the story of El Vampiro de la Ventana, or El Drácula de Tucumán. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, about mental health, I know this was like the 1950s, and yeah. we understand now how it was seen back then. Yes, Mental health was seen, unfortunately, as... People weren't seen as sick. Yeah. They weren't seen like there's something wrong with this person. They were seen more like they're crazy. Yeah. Están locos. Yeah. And and I, and I truly feel that a lot of the stigma within mental health has to do with the fact that um, people don't want to get help. And, um, and it's not because, you know, because, you know, there's ways to find help. But when you either have the community around you telling you, oh, no, you're crazy, 
you start believing that you're crazy that and no crees, yeah yeah and you don't seek out help when you know you might have needed it or, or where it could have helped like for instance like his parents instead of you know um you know not abandoning him and his brothers because of his mental illness they decided to like leave them when they could have probably like looked for help um and instead his schizophrenia got to the point where he actually you know committed murders and like um a whole bunch of innocent victims um you know were were victims of mental health because he didn't get the proper help that he needed no se a diferenciar en que era verdad y que era yeah. Algo que se había inventado. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which is part of the schizophrenia. Definitely. You know, it's like um, working in the field myself, it's with people who have schizophrenia, it's, I think I've empathized mm-hmm. with them in a very different way. Not in this case with what he did, the murders. I'm not empathizing with that. It's with what they must go through. Yeah. You know, porque uno entiende. We understand, like, what's real and what's not. And in their mind, their brain, the way it's wired because of the illness, no los ayuda mm-hmm. a diferenciar. Y delusions, hallucinations come in. And it's... I'm imagining that must be really hard. Yeah. If you don't know what's real, what's, what, you're, what are you making up? Yeah, it's a, it's a completely different... Um, aspect because like our reality is like what we have here and what we can touch and what we can feel and what we can distinguish what's real and what's not real but for them it all kind of meshes it in together to the point that they don't know and they just go through life thinking that it's completely normal yeah and when to us it seems completely like off yeah it's hard Mm -hmm. Pobre muchacho, he could have gotten the help, but unfortunately back then it wasn't seen like it is now. Yeah. Now there's resources, now there's like help, now there's medication, there's, you know, there's centers, there's people out there who understand these mental health illnesses more. Yeah. Who we want to help, we want to get them the support that they need and get them to a place donde se sienten que los entienden. Sí. Porque, digo, en, en, durante esta época, eh, like, if you, you know, go back and read a lot of these, like, ca- old cases, muchas de las personas piensan que, eh, de que estas, ilusen- like, hallucinations and, like, um, illnesses weren't, you know, they, they, they weren't normal, and that um, they were part of, like, a more, like, spiritual aspect of it yeah. whether it was you know being like possessed or being like um you know part of like satan or something like mm-hmm. no era algo que pudiera ser más realista de you know believing like you know maybe there's something wrong with his like mental health um it was always like oh no it's like religious like infused um yeah that's when religion will kick in. That that was their answer. Yeah, that was like, Thing. especially cuando dijeron que lo querían, you know, like to have, for him to have an exorcism, where it's like, no, you know, they already ran tests for his like mental health and his physical health, and you guys automatically think, oh, he what should get exercise. Yeah. And it's like, mm, this that's not gonna help. Like that. <laughs> exactly. No. So it's like. For me, it's it's interesting to see that perspective when it comes to mental health and like religion because, you know, uh, 
Yeah. As a, as a person that's been going to therapy for the last year, I realized that, you know, I don't connect my mental health with my spirituality and that um, I believe that, you know, sad to say it, it for me personally, um, going to church or being in touch with my religion um, will fix my mental health, you know? So it's like, personally, I don't feel like religion is the one all end all kind of situation. That it's the answer for everything. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing to have. Like faith is, if you believe in something and it helps you, it's great. Yes. But you can't, when it comes to mental health, no puedes poner todo in. Exactamente. Dios me va a ayudar. Yeah. You need to put effort into it. Yeah. Y siendo la persona, porque cuando empecé, I mean, it's getting too personal, pero cuando yo empecé esto de ir a terapia y tratar de, con, no controlar, pero de reducir mi ansiedad y mi depresión, yo decía, no, pues con terapia me, se me va a curar todo. Porque yo, es lo que yo pensé, voy a ir a terapia, se me va a ir la ansiedad, se me va a ir la depresión y voy a estar bien. Pero cuando, este me empezaron a decir, vas a tener que tomar medicamento, um, you know, to reduce some of your anxiety and gets you a little bit, you know, aligned and like feel a little bit better. And then, you know, therapy is going to help with that. I was like, no, I was really like very adamant about. Very hesitant, resistant. Yeah, very, very resistant to like any medication. Because I was like, oh no, medication. I have to take this for life. Um, I'm going to, you know be dependent on medication which was a scary thing for me you know as a person as a, a especialmente cuando eres latina y sientes que me this, which is the sad part no pues me van a tachar como loca There's me van a tachar que necesito medicamento que me voy a volver adicta al medicamento and maybe you know it's my mind overthinking as well pero a la misma vez es como que mm, sientes que te van a juzgar porque estás tomando medicamento. And um, especially after my trip in July when I went to Mexico, it was kind of hard for me to say like, yeah, I'm taking medication. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it sucks. It does. And it really does. And you're not the only one who's felt that way. Yeah. You know, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a therapist. And yeah. I've heard people say in the past, like, oh, my parents' way of thinking of therapy was... Es para locos. Yeah. Eso no, no, no funciona. No sirve. Vas a cambiar solo. Echale más ganas. Like, you're fine. Yeah. Like, it's just a little thing. Like, you'll get over it soon. When it's it's not. Yeah. Like, therapy is not a bad thing. And fortunately, estos últimos años, la mente de toda la gente ha cambiado. Sí. Which is amazing. I think it's it's great people need that support especially after covid like yeah. it's that's a big thing and it's not seen as a bad thing and unfortunately in todos estos casos que hemos hecho y han escuchado ustedes vemos the importance of therapy if they mm-hmm. would have been placed in treatment early in time when yeah. things when people saw certain things yeah muchos de estos casos no hubieran pasado yeah, exactly y es como que empiezas porque si si vemos a los los casos que, que han pasado los más famosos que han pasado oh, siempre yeah. vemos que, que muchas de estas 
uh, personas están sufriendo de, de trauma, de, trauma. Um, yeah. de you know, mental illnesses and like untreated, untreated ones. Yeah. ones. Or, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that you're like, you know, if you would have, if people would have caught this on time, um, you know, it, it could have saved a lot of people. And, you know, sometimes we, don't, we can't think of the what ifs. Pero a la misma vez es como que lo bueno de, de lo malo viene siendo de que mucha gente se empieza a abrir a las, like, the possibilities of a better world when people are going into therapy and getting the help that they deserve and they need um, to, you know, to fix their trauma, but also um, heal themselves and um, get a better perspective in life yeah. and, and, you know, get treated for their own mental health. You know? Yeah. So, you guys are out there listening and you need that support, look for it. Yeah, definitely. It's not a bad thing. It, 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 it isn't. And no I matter feel... how small the yeah. issue is, también. Yeah. It doesn't have to be algo grande, something big. No matter how small, you need, you know, get the support. Yeah. And y a veces no es de que tienes que tener un, uh, like a mental illness. Sometimes you just need exactly. to talk to somebody that, mm-hmm. you know, that'll that'll help you, you know, rearrange your thoughts. Um, not so much, you know, to fix you or to fix your problem, but to help you um, organize your brain, in a sense. Yeah. Um, we all need it. Yeah. So I'm glad que con el tiempo, con los años, la ciencia ha avanzado. The perspective of therapy has improved and the treatment for mental health disorders like schizophrenia has improved a lot. Yeah. I'm glad that hopefully as years pass by, it keeps on just getting better. And and, and we get to like a point yeah. where it, it, it isn't feared. You know? Exactly. Um, because I feel like a lot of people, when they get a diagnosis like that, the automatic daunting feeling of like i'm not normal yeah hits you know mm-hmm. and then hopefully through the yeah. years especially yeah. with the, the more intense diagnosis yes right if you i mean if you guys know of anyone que está, they're presenting any type of like symptoms and you're concerned and hey it's okay to look for the support yeah don't don't wait yeah i agree i agree entonces ese fue el caso del día de hoy eh, en verdad, si necesitan ayuda, um, van con encontrar, you know, a therapist or anything. We'll, we'll leave the links in the description if you are looking for that kind of help. Um, pero también, you know, always reach out to, to people for help. It's never too late. Um, pero este es el episodio. Uh, queremos saber lo que opinan. Eh, queremos también saber que como vieron el caso si se si creen que pueden agregar otras cosas a este caso estuviera excelente because you know we don't cover everything because we only have it's a lot of info out there <laughs> yeah you know we only have so much time in in life to input into these episodes but definitely we're here to hear your opinions hear your thoughts hear your comments so drop them off on our instagram or twitter our TikTok <laughs> and our Facebook. Uh, you can find us as arroba SVSM underscore podcast. Um, and you can find us on Facebook as So Violento So Macabro Podcast. And uh, talk to us. We're, we're here to listen. We're here to talk to you guys. So, you know, keep it fun. 
Um, but yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Gracias uh, por escucharnos. Gracias. And uh, we're, we're excited to hear from you. And um, yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk next week. Bye. Bye. Stay spooky.